advancing in adversity. Will you say that? Advancing in adversity. That is how to keep moving forward, how to keep increasing, making progress in adversity, in the midst of trouble or unfavorable times. How can I keep moving when affliction is all around me? And I gave you three points. The first point we said we must look to God. God is our safe haven. God is our refuge, our protection, our covering. As a matter of fact, uh, Proverbs 24.10, that was one of our foundation of scriptures. Uh, I like the way the message translation puts it. It says, if you faint in the day of adversity, there wasn't much to you in the first place. If you panic, if you faint in the day of trouble, there wasn't much to you in the first place. And just let me encourage you, it's advantageous or it's to your benefit to maintain a steady regimen of worship with the Father God. Amen. So we said point number one was to look to God. Number two, we said God's word must be your defense. God's word, repeat that after me. God's word must be your defense. Okay, here it go. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. So we said, number two, God's word must be your defense. And we said that when you trust the Lord, that word defense in the Hebrew, it simply means to be in a unassailable place. In other words, when you trust God, he puts his word, puts you in a place whereby you cannot be attacked, questioned, or defeated. Hey, man, that's a good place to shout. Then point number three, we said that there must be an agreement or you must come into agreement with God's word. We've seen that God will, heaven will allow whatever you allow. So you must agree with God. Without faith, it is impossible to be in agreement with God. Amen. So those who missed that, uh, that's on our Facebook page. So I would that you go back and, and let that word seep a little deeper and get into your spirit. Now, today we still are talking about advancing in adversity. And let me uh, say this. It's a lot of information I want to get to you, and I would that you allow me to get it out. I will go as uh, quickly as I can, but um, I do want to get it out. And from my understanding, there was a DJ Nice, DJ Nice last week. Uh, I forgot how many hours he was DJing live. Uh, so just give me about 45 minutes. So if you can watch DJ Nice, and God bless DJ Nice, and, uh, but watch Rex in Effects for at least about 45 minutes. Amen. It's, if you can watch DJ Nice, you can watch Rex in Effects. Amen. To God be the glory. <clears throat> So, 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 but in, in, in times like these, and I want to slow down a minute, times like these is, is somewhat disenchanting or disheartening to hear believers condemning other believers uh, by contorting old covenant scripture out of context. And, and you hear people declaring that God is 
judging them and God is condemning them. And believer, you need to be more faithful. Believer, you have to get right. And it's almost as if we are being blamed for COVID-19. And just let me declare this without apology. Believer, you are already right with God. Now, there may be things that you are still perfecting in areas, areas that you are maturing in, but the believer can't get any more right than what Jesus already paid the price for. Your righteousness, we're going to discover this today, is based upon what Jesus has done for you. Are you with me? So, so we, we have believers condemning one another, and, and, and again, they're acting as if, listen, why not look at all the good that has come about as a result? If it's the blame on us, what about all the good that's going throughout the land? But I just want to, to encourage you, this should be a time, as we should have been doing beforehand, where the believer, someone say, the believer, is promoting the gospel of peace. The word of God declares how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. So the gospel of peace is what's going to draw man to letting people know how good God is even in the midst of their sin. God loves you. Are you here? Just a little Lord, sir. So, so but just to clarify, uh, because people are quick to run to two particular passages of Scripture. Uh, number one, Second Chronicles seven fourteen, and Deuteronomy twenty eight. So, so, and just let me say this: when it comes to uh, hermeneutics or the the science of preaching and teaching, there are certain things or principles or algorithms, if you will. That, that needs to be in place in order to bridge the gap or have a proper understanding of a particular text. So th there has to be an understanding of context. Someone say context. So it, it, whenever you take uh, something out of context, there's always, uh, you're always led into error or misunderstanding. So real quick, if you want to write these down, there are some things that must be understood, like we need to understand the literal meaning of the text. What is the Lord saying? What is the writer saying? There is the historical setting that one must understand. The events of the story. Who is being addressed? The syntax or the grammatical structure. What's the language? Are you with me? Then there is what's called the practical principle. Once in the practical principle is once we properly exegeted or examine a particular passage and we understand it in its true or right meaning, now we have the responsibility to apply it to our lives. So once you come into the knowledge, knowledge of the truth, there is a responsibility to carry it out. Now, the only bad thing about that, if you were led into error or misunderstanding, you would carry that out also. And I pray that God will, and thank you for praying that anointed prayer, Pastor, but I, I also want to add to that, that I pray that the anointing today will remove sacred cows, man, that burdens will be removed and yokes 
uh, will be destroyed. But if you want to get 2 Chronicles 7, 14, in the context, don't say context. This, this verse particular, uh, the context of this verse is found right after Solomon. He had built the temple of God and dedicated it to the Lord. And uh, uh, the Lord appears to him and let him know that Solomon, I have heard your prayer. So what we're about to see is God's response uh, to what Solomon had requested. He was praying for the people. And the Lord goes on to say, or oh, the overall thrust is that God has chosen, and this is found throughout, a uh, matter of fact, if you go up a couple of verses, but verse 14 particularly, the overall thrust is that God has chosen this, this temple to be a house of sacrifice for his people or his chosen people, which were the descendants of Abraham. Then he said, and if the time should come where I withhold the rain or send plagues on the land, then if my people who are called by, name, by my name will humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, they will heal, hear from heaven, he will forgive uh, their sin. So we always take that and apply it to us. No, he was talking, first of all, we, we need to be mindful of, keep in mind that he was talking to a people that God had made a covenant with through the ministry of Moses. These were the people who were still up under, again, those who quote Deuteronomy 28, if you obey this and if you do this, God would do that. And if you don't do this, all these curses will come upon you. Let me tell you something. And not just the Ten Commandments, but when you look at all of the commandments that Israel were, were, were bound to hold, it was about over 600 and something commandments. And there are people who have a trouble uh, holding true to two or three so imagine trying to keep these so they were under a covenant that if you do this, then I would do that. Are you with me? Are you guys here? Now, now then you also have to remember that the old covenant was about a nation. Listen to this. The old covenant was about a nation. The Jewish people. Are you here? The covenant made through Jesus Christ is about a People having faith in God. So it's just not for the Jews. It's also for the Gentiles. So this relationship that we have now is about having faith in God. Now, that's why when you look at the, the, the Pauline epistles, Paul writes to churches as well as to individuals. And when we look at the prophets of old or the prophets of the old covenant, they address the people of their time. Israel, the northern kingdom, Judah, the southern kingdom. So in, in, in context, are you with me? Second Chronicles is not to us, but it is still for us. So what I mean by that, yeah, it's good to be humble. It's good to turn away from ways that are not pleasing to the Lord. It's good to repent. But that wasn't for us. It was to us. Are you here? I'm sorry. It wasn't to us, but it was still for us in a sense. We can still take glean from things from that passage and apply today. And I said all that to say we have to listen. Look at it like this. We need to understand the then and the there before we look at the here and the now. In other words, what was going on then and there, and how do we apply that to here 
and now. We are not under that covenant of works or being justified by what we do. Are you with me? So, listen, God is not condemning us. And this COVID-19 has nothing to do with how believers are living. And let me say this for anybody who thinks that everybody's going to be to whatever state of perfection simultaneously, that will never happen. We're always in a state of maturity. Then how do we know when we've gotten to the place where we need to be, where God is satisfied? If it's like that, are you here? So this should not be a time where believers are contorting scripture to, to beat down or, and try to condemn other believers. Are you with me? Boy, I wish I had time to, to give you more on that. But, but in context, that was not to us. First point, we're talking about advancing in adversity. First point. <laughs> which brings me to this you have to stop seeing yourselves as God's enemy wow stop seeing yourself as God's enemy what's point number one come on say it loud you have to stop seeing yourself as God's enemy and a lot of people see God as their Enemy, so 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 you want me to worship the God that you say that, that this this hurting me, so so he can get my attention. You want me to worship the God that you say is killing my children. You want me to worship the God that you say is 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 robbing me of this and that. That's not the God that we serve. See what comes into our minds when we think about God. I want you to hear this. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Because our philosophy about God will determine our response to him. How we view God shapes everything we do. I need to say that again. Say this. My philosophy about God will determine, will determine my response to him. How I view God shapes everything I do. And if you see God as this sinister, ominous, evil God looking to slay you every time you don't live up to a certain perfection in man's eye, you have the wrong perception of God. Now, am I advocating living, loosely living any kind of way? Absolutely not. But we must understand that our righteousness is of no effort on our own part. And it's not, listen to this, it is not until, it's not until we have a true knowledge, listen to this, of God and the revelation of his love for us, are we able to worship him freely. John 4, 24, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, we have a lot of people who are worshiping in spirit, but not in truth. Because their view of God has been obscured based upon erroneous teachings about God. <laughs> so how can we 
Here go a nugget. How can we have a right view of God, preacher? Easy. By looking at Jesus. He is the visible image of the invisible God, the word of God says. He is the exact rep representation of God's being. He is all of God in human body. Jesus himself said, when you see me, you have seen the Father. So if I want to have the right view of God, I have to look at Jesus in light of what he did. And what he did satisfied the Father and made me in right standings before God. So point one, you have to do what? Stop seeing yourself as God. You, when you say, I am, to the believer, I am not God's enemy. I am his beloved. Colossians 1, 21 through 23. Listen to this. Listen, I, I see even now I can sense there are people who are fighting against this because we're so used to being told that, that, that no, no, God's not going to bless that. Listen, this new covenant reality is a life by faith in the son of God. You're not blessed based on your or the manifestation from heaven aren't the, the blessing from heaven, heaven are manifest manifest based on your performance. They're based on your agreement with the Lord. So even when you're not perfect, but yet you are in agreement, I can still receive what's mine because it's not contingent upon how good I am, but how much I believe God loves me and what he did satisfy the Father. At one time, you were separated from God. You were his enemies in your minds. But here's the thing. And the only, and I tell people all the time, once you were born again, the only thing that's renewed is your spirit. Your spirit, or not renewed, but made alive is your spirit. But your mind is just as messed up as whatever experiences you had. So your mind has to come into a state of renewal. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Are you with me? So consequently, once we come to Christ, we still have that same mindset of what we heard about God when we were in our sins. Therefore, we still see ourselves, even though we are his beloved, we see ourselves as his enemies. It is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Think about this. How many of you who are hearing, who are viewing, you came to know Jesus because of the goodness that you heard about him? Or did you receive salvation out of fear? You're going to hell. The wages of sin is death. Get your life together. See, see, it wasn't presented in a form where you seen the love and kindness of God. Or was it fear-based that brought you to know him? Just a question. But now, he has made you his friends again. He did this by death. Listen to this. He did this by the death Christ suffered while he was in his body. He did it that he could present you to himself as a people who are holy and blameless. So if I got to get some, God, listen, God sees you as holy and he sees you as blameless. So if he sees me as holy and sees me as blameless, I cannot be the blame for COVID-19. 
and without anything that would make you, listen, and without anything that would make you guilty before him, listen to this. And that is what happened. See, if you continue to believe in the good news you heard, See, you have to believe that I'm holy and blameless before God and, 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 and nothing. Do you see this? And without anything that will make me guilty, are you guilty before him? You must rem- listen. So in the midst of people telling you, listen, there should want to be a tendency to walk upright. You should want to be faithful. Not because people are using COVID-19 to pump fear into you, but because that's the nature of the believer to have trust in the living God. So you must remain strong in your faith. And don't let people contort scripture to put blame on you or guilt. You must not let anything, listen to this, cause you to give up the hope that became yours when you heard. In other words, if, if God sees me holy, if God sees me blameless, that blameless, that's the hope I'm holding to. And I'm not going to let anybody tell me anything different, no matter what I'm working on. I'm holy before God. I'm blameless. And he sees me not guilty. Second Corinthians 5, 17. What's first point? You must what? Stop seeing yourself as God's enemy. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Listen to this, guys. When, any, when anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. And, and, and my Bishop, Bishop Clarence C. McClendon did an awesome teaching on the, the new creation or the reality of the new creation. And uh, he has... Uh, permitted me and given me authorization to teach that. So uh, once I get it and get it down, I'm going to teach the reality of our new creation. Or new, we are new creations. Amen. Amen. Verse 18. See, that's the, that's the benefit of being connected. Some of you got quiet when I said that. All this is from God. <laughs> Through Christ, God made, look, look at this, God made peace between himself and us. We're not God's enemies. And God gave us, watch this, and God gave us the work of bringing people into peace with him. What should we be doing right now? Bringing people into peace with God, not condemning people to hell. I mean that God was in Christ making peace between the world and himself. In Christ, God did not hold people guilty for their sins. So Christ is not holding you guilty when you miss the mark. And he gave us, listen, he gave us this message of peace to tell people. And that's what we should be doing. So we have been sent to speak for Christ. This is us. It is like God is calling people through us. We speak for Christ when we beg you to be at peace with God. Verse 21, Christ had no sin, but God made him become sin so that in Christ we could be right with God. 
Point two, don't revert back to being in bondage. If you're going to if you're going to thrive in adversity, even beyond COVID-19, there are other things that try to come against you. You, you, ha- you can no longer see yourself as God's enemy, beloved. Next point, don't revert back to being in bondage. Notice he just told us we need to hold fast to this hope. Galatians 5 and 1, NLT. What's point two? Don't revert back to being in bondage. Are you here? So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you what? Stay free. See, I, and sometimes your confidence in God can come off as you being arrogant. It's not that you're being arrogant. I am confident in the word of God. And if he told me to stay free, that is what I'm going to do. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up. Here it go. Again, in the slavery to the law, which those in Second Chronicles were in, they were in slavery to the law. Those in Deuteronomy 28 were in slavery to the law. And see, this is so important why we have to understand this, beloved. Whenever you get tied up in slavery to the law, not God, you impose the curse of the law on yourselves. So, in other words, Crystal, when I free my, when Jesus sets me free, and I come into the knowledge of the truth, and he wants me to stay free and not be in slavery to the law. If I allow someone to put me back into that slavery to the law, now I become subject to those curses that were under the law. It's not God doing it. It's me choosing to go back to it. (laughs) So we're not under Deuteronomy 28. There are a lot of good things that we can glean from that, that, but we're not under that. Let me show you. Galatians 3, 10 through 13. But people who depend on following the law to make them right are under a curse. As the scripture says, they must do everything that is written in it. Uh, in the law, if they do not always obey the law, they are under the curse. See, that was the old covenant. So it is clear that no one can be. It is clear that no one can be made right with God by keeping the law. The scripture says <laughs> the one who was right with God by faith will live forever. So it is we're made right with God again by faith, not by keeping a bunch of commandments. Want to honor them, but if you happen to miss one, you're still right with God. It's not based on how many you keep today and don't keep. See, again, this will fight against sacred cows because of mindsets, but I'm giving you scripture. Yes. 
What's the whole context? <laughs> she said, now watch, let, let, let me, well, since you ask. When you extract a verse or a pericope of scripture out of a particular context, context, it's not always an error or misunderstanding when they are standalone truths. These are standalone truths for the new creation in Christ. We're not under being justified by works. Now, can I get back to this? Thank you. Verse 12, the law does not depend on faith. What did it depend on? It depend on works, performance. No, it says that the only way a person will find life by the law is to obey its commands. It, you, you can't, it kills you. The law says we are under a curse for not always obeying it. But, in, but Christ took away that curse. But Christ took away that curse. So don't you believe that there's curses coming upon you for not walking a certain way. Christ took the curse away. He Let me calm down. He changed places with us and put himself under the curse. The scripture says anyone who was hung on a tree is under a curse. In other words, he took it for you so you wouldn't have to curse. Real quickly, Colossians, show them Colossians 2.14. Uh, I hadn't planned to go here. Didn't the scripture say Christ, Christ did what? Took it away. Right? Colossians 2.14. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way and nailed it to the cross. Don't go back. Romans 3.20. And I got one more point. Romans 3.20. Not one person. <laughs> well, I'm sanctified. Not I'm holy. I'm of this denomination. I'm of that denomination. Not one. I'm an apostle. I'm a bishop. Doctor. Not one person can have God's approval by any effort to follow the laws in the scriptures. Do you see that? In other words, you're not getting God's approval because of what you think you're doing by doing this and doing that and I've kept that and I've kept this. Keep those. But that is not what makes you righteous. It's what, because sooner, uh, there will come a time when I can't keep them all. And if we would just be honest within ourselves and know that there are things that I'm yet, even if you're not working on anything right now, there may come a time when I need to be working on some things again. We'll be more understanding to the needs of others. 
The law shows us what sin is. In other words, it shows us our sin. It shows us just how simple we are. That's what it does. Last point. I wish I had more time. You are made right with God by believing in the finished work of Jesus. So if you're going to advance in adversity, you have to know that your righteousness is based upon what Jesus did, not what we do. So you're made right with God by believing in the finished work of Jesus. What's point three? You're made right with God by believing in Jesus. I'm sorry, you're made right with God, with God by believing in the finished work of Jesus. Paul writes to the church of Galatia who, uh, notice in Galatians 5, he said, don't be taken again in yoke of bondage. In Galatians, right? You remember we went to that? So we're still in Galatians. He's talking to people who heard the gospel of peace, who were liberated, living as new creations in Christ. Then they started lending their ears to religious leaders teaching untruths. At one point, Paul says, man, I am shocked, appalled in awe that you would leave the gospel that I preached to you. For there is no other gospel other than what we delivered to you. Even if an angel comes down from heaven or gives somebody a revelation, let them be cursed. In other words, they went from being liberated and walking in freedom to some going back to the bondage of the law. You with me? So listen to what he says. Yet, we know that people don't receive God's approval by any effort to follow the laws and scriptures. This is what the scripture says. I'm just reading you the scriptures. But only by believing in Jesus Christ. So how do we get God's approval? By believing that what Jesus did was enough. So we also believed in Jesus Christ in order to receive God's approval. What? By faith in Christ and not by our own efforts. People won't receive God's approval by their own efforts. By grace have we been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Verse 19, listen to what Paul said. And I'm like Paul. I'm like the apostle. When I tried to obey the law and the scriptures, those laws killed me. It made it worse. What never satisfied, conscious, never at ease. Because you, because you don't know if you did enough. Can I say something right here real quick? Notice he said, when he tried to obey the laws, the scripture, those laws killed him. R religion makes everything about what you do. Hear me. 
religion makes it about your effort. Having a relationship is understanding it's about what Jesus did. Get it? And you are living off or in faith based upon what he did, not by what you do. Are you here? Verse 19. When I tried to obey the law in the scriptures, those laws killed me. As a result, I live in a, see, here it go. I live in a relationship. See, I have a relationship. What do you mean, preacher? This relationship is based on what Jesus did for me. And I believe that what he did was enough. And, and, and knowing that causes me to want to live and walk upright. Are you here? It's a relationship. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live by believing in God's Son who loved me and took the punishment for my sins. I don't reject God's grace, one translation says. I don't reject God's kindness. If we receive God's approval, listen to this carefully. If we receive God's approval by obeying the laws in the scriptures, then Christ's death was pointless. So if we're trying to justify ourselves by what we do, Christ died in vain. Romans 3, 21 through 26. But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law. Did you hear what I just said? God has shown us a way to be made right with him, with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised to the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. Verse 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith, man, this is so good, in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. So it can't be where well, I'm of this denomination and we don't. No, no, no. This is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Verse 23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall, we all fall short of the glory, glory, God's glorious standard. Fall, sin, fall short of the glory of God, it, it, literally what that means is that because of Adam, we all were born into sin. That's what it means by all have sinned. Verse, 30, verse 24, yet God in his grace, listen to this, freely makes us right in his sight. Do you see this? He did this through who? Christ Jesus, when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God pre presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they what? Believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. 
For he was looking ahead and including them, that's you and I also, in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is a fair and just. He's fair and just. And makes, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they keep the law. Keep a bunch of rituals. Dress a certain way. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Two more verses, beloved. Romans 5, 1 and 2. Listen to this. Man, this is so good. Uh, again, thank God for the old covenant. It, it's our schoolmaster. It, it's it's a it, it's a, a a way to show us certain things. But you have to remember, all wasn't to us, but it was still for us. And, and when I say for us, understanding what's applicable for us today. Are you here? Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, <laughs> since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Do y'all hear this? How are we made right? Listen, be good, sir. Be good, ma'am. Walk according to the word. The point that I'm trying to convey is that your righteousness is not based on how perfect you think you walk. But it's based on what Jesus did and having faith in the Son of God. Therefore, since we are made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. See, we, we, have, we should be at peace with God. The believer shouldn't be in fear. God is not trying to, to, to whip you. Matter of fact, your own weakness will correct you is what the scripture says. Listen, God, he, he's, we just seen he's just. He's fair. His mercies are new every morning. Meditate on those things that are lovely, good, honest, noble. Those things that are of a good report. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Verse 2, because of our faith, listen, oh my goodness, listen to this. Christ has brought us into his place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. That's where we stand now. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Last verse, and I need you to hear this and hear it loud. Romans 8, 1. Listen to this. God is not trying to condemn you. Matter of fact, Holy Spirit doesn't condemn you. If you're condemned, that's, that's either from, from the wrong thinking or the enemy. 
he will convict. As a matter of fact, the scripture says he convicts us of our righteousness. Romans 8.1. So now, anyone who is in Christ Jesus is not judged guilty. Y'all missed that. Anyone who is in Christ Jesus is not judged guilty. No, he sees you holy and <laughs> are you here? <laughs> innocent? Oh, y'all not hearing. Yes, you are. You're hearing this. You are hearing this. You are hearing this. You are hearing this. He sees you holy. Matter of fact, say that. God sees me holy and blameless. Anyone in Christ, say this, anyone in Christ is not judged guilty. Let's give the Lord a shout of praise. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to make a donation and support this ministry as we expand the kingdom of God, please visit ShekinahGloryFC.com or download our church app from iTunes App Store or Google Play by searching Shekinah Glory FC and click Give to make your donation.